just I just I just speak my peace keep my peace What's good, y'all? Welcome to the Speaking of Peace podcast. As always, I'm your gracious host, Greg Lacey. Like we always do about the time, I hope this episode reaches you all in good health and that you all continue to take care of yourself and your loved ones and taking the proper precautions to um, just protect yourselves. Now, you probably got the gist by now, episode 115. It's probably like one of my favorite episodes because um, I keep referencing it. I keep on going back to certain things I said in that episode um, and diving deeper into things that were expressed in that episode. And I think that just goes to show what I was covering in episode 114, um, just about how great um, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers is. I, I spoke about just, you know, great rap projects. They are greater. They are great on the surface, but as time goes by what makes them even better is when you begin to delve into things and you begin to scratch under the surface and uncover things but also the conversations that generate from that and obviously these conversations we've been having has been regarding the song father time and i think and then i've spoken about just how important that song was and the perspective that he provided and i don't want that to go unmissed the reason why i say this and reason why i even address that episode because Looking back on it and looking listening to it, that episode may seem like a cry out to most. Um, if you listen to the episode without any context, I've expressed things. I, blah, blah, I expressed, expressed. I don't know why it's so hard for me to say that word just now. I've expressed things in an episode that I would like to see fixed or things I would like to see addressed, um, and things that I have gone through and things that I don't want to see other young black men going through. Like, I don't want us to have to navigate through this cruel world without any guidance. I think that it's hard enough being a young black man in itself. It's even double harder when you grow up in poverty. It's, it's even double harder. It's even twice as hard. I don't know what the hell double harder is. It's even twice as hard. You grow up in poverty. You grow up in underserved communities um, because you're lacking in resources. So it's like the your, your options as far as like professional careers, your your personal um, development and growth, um, hobbies and different things like that, traits you pick up um, and different things like that. Your your resources is limited because there's not much is offered. And so that experience in itself is one that I wish many people doesn't go through. But to then go through that and have no guidance, it's like you're set up for failure. And so that was more what that episode was. It was it may have seemed like a cry out and a cry for help. And I understand why it does. And it was because I don't think that anyone else should ever have to experience things like that. And it's unfortunate, but many others will. Many generations to come will experience things like that. They may grow up in a single parent home and they don't have any guidance. They may grow up in a dual family home and maybe the person who is uh supposed to be the father figure isn't doing the correct job or isn't present or isn't showing love and affection and they're missing out on certain things that that child requires for the development i think that a lot of times we mistake presence for doing the actual job that is needed in in terms of guidance um with us young young black men and despite all that there are some who slip through the cracks and don't have any guidance and they figure things out and they make the best of it. I will say I'm one of them. You know, I, I, I have spoken about in detail different experiences and things that I wish that I had growing up in that episode, but I'm still here today and, and I'm thriving. There's a lot of things that I could use guidance on, um, but I've made it to a point in my life to where I know that I did it 
without that guidance. It wasn't easy. The 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 road is is, is not hard. It's not one that I recommend for anyone. But I I've made it this far, and so that is a testament to my strength, and that is a testament to my determination to be aware of things that I want to correct and be aware of of the cycles that I want to break. Um, another person, another personal example. Um, my brother, brother grew up in the same situation as my older brother, and my brother today is a is a father and a husband and so to see him in those roles and to see him you know father be a father to his children be a husband to his wife um and set these examples for my nephew for my nieces as well but we're focusing on young black men so i'm gonna say my nephew um to see him set this example uh, for my nephew of like what a hard working man what a respectable man what a a loving man what a caring man what a very intelligent man um an artistic man to, for him to set that example for my nephew it, it's powerful because he didn't have I mean, i'm speaking from experience like me and my brother we are not too far apart in terms of age um it wasn't like a disconnect in terms of like maybe he's a generation above me and I'm a generation below him or there's a 10 decade gap or anything like that. Like me and my brother, we grew up together. So I know everything that he's been through. I saw it firsthand. Um, and some of the experiences we've been through, we, we, we've gone through them together. And so to see him to operate at the level that he's operating as a father, knowing that he didn't have, and not to put my brother's business out there, you probably don't want me putting his business out there, but, um, I just feel like it's a great example for the for the sake of this episode. But to see him operating at such a high level that he is in that role and me knowing that he didn't have any examples, he didn't have anyone to, to, to lead the way, he didn't have anyone to show him how to do these things. It's just something that he's passionate about and it's something that he knows that he has to be wholeheartedly in in terms of breaking that cycle, creating new cycles and creating new habits that he's carried well. And so for me to see that, it's, it's been inspiring. It's something that I aspire to do um, when I have children, is to actively have a role in breaking cycles and creating new habits and showing just a new generation, you know, how to do this opposed to these habits that we've grown accustomed to. And so as you all listen to this episode, you may say, okay, well, you've detailed, you know, the things that you're missing in your development and your growth growing up. You've detailed things that you would like to see. You would detail things we would you would like for us to do. And you may say, well, how do you actually actively get rid of those cycles? I think this list probably should be way longer than it is. But I just have two things. I think two important things in addressing those behaviors that we had to get rid of. And I think the first one is toxic masculinity i think that um when we address toxic masculinity when we show young men show young boys that it's okay to be themselves no matter what their their interests are um it's not going to deter them from who they are um not to worry about outside factors not to worry about what their peers may think not to worry about what people on the internet may think but just to wholeheartedly you know if something brings you happiness, if something brings you joy, then go after that or, you know, engage in that. Or some of you may say, well, what is toxic masculinity? For me, I think toxic, uh, toxic masculinity or traits of toxic masculinity is just 
someone being overtly, especially males. Um, I mean, it is male masculinity, um, but they're males that are like overtly aggressive. It's like they they try their best to like exert this energy and this brute force to show that hey I'm a man look at me I'm a man I'm a macho man and like this overly aggressive physical toughness that's a trait of toxic masculinity because it's like you are your your manlyhood you feel like your manlyhood is threatened if you don't show that you are this strong character and and most times that's not the case. The loudest person in the room is usually the weakest. So that goes to show like there's some something internal going on or something internal that's not clicking for this person for them to constantly have on his front, to constantly have on his hard shell, to constantly have on this just this demeanor of just being so overtly aggressive, being so physically tough or showing people that they so physically tough that there's something that, that that person is dealing with. We as guidance, as mentors, we have to show these young boys that. You know, it's okay to be tough if, if that's what you want to do. Like if you want to be uh, a, a fitness guru, if you just want to be someone who is fit, it's okay to to look that way. It's okay to act a certain part, but there has to become a time to where you realize that it's making other people uncomfortable. It has to be a time when you realize that you're doing this out of a response to a trauma. You're doing this out of a response to an identity crisis. Um, you're doing this as a response to just really just you don't know what's going on. Like you're dealing with other things inside. And this is like you're using it for protection. We have to show these young kids that, you know, there is a time and place for these things. And we have to rid that cycle of really just are of, of this idea of like your manlyhood is being tested if you don't show these certain things. Another thing is discrimination against people who aren't heterosexual. I mean, I think that is like one of the main, I think that's like one of the main traits in, in toxic masculinity. I don't know, it's not one of the main traits. Let me uh, rewind that. But I think that a lot of people, they show homophobia, uh, transphobia toward certain people is because whatever identity crisis or whatever they identify is they feel like it's threatened by what someone else is going through i'm not sitting here being an advocate for or against anything um i'm the type of person if you like it i love it and what i mean by that is do whatever you have to do do whatever you feel like you need to do identify as whatever you need to identify as and it doesn't affect me because you're living your life and i'm living my life and I'm a being, I'm a being, just like you are a being. And like the saying goes, what you eat doesn't make me shit. And so I am one with myself, and I never feel like who I am as a man is threatened by the presence of someone who doesn't identify as a man, or someone who's a who want someone who is a man attracted to another man, or a woman attracted to another woman, whatever the case it may be. Um, I am never threatened by the presence of those people because I don't worry about it. It doesn't affect me and, and it never has affected me up to this point in my life. But I think that is like one of the traits in toxic masculinity as well. Someone who's like going out of their way to show that they have a phobia. And what I mean by that phobia is like going out of their way to disrespect some people, um, using slurs, using hateful speech, um, sometimes threatening, um, excluding, just, just doing these these ill-minded having these ill-minded actions projected towards a certain type of people because of how they identify or their sexual preference um 
again, I, I think that we have to show young men that whether you like it or not, we are in a world now where heterosexual, homophobic, transphobic, these people exist. And we coexist with these people in a lot of spaces. And you can still be yourself. You can still be a man and coexist in these spaces with these people. You don't have to interact with these people. You don't have to be the best of friends with these people. But you also don't have to spew hate their way. You also don't have to subject violence. To, you don't have to you know, project violence towards them because of that. You don't have to project your insecurities onto them. Because you may not be secure in your identity. And because they are so secure and about who they are or what they want to be, you feel like it's threatening your masculinity. We have to address these things. We have to let these young men know that you can coexist with these people. Um, I think that another uh, trait of toxic masculinity is sexual aggressiveness. I think that actually it's not even a topic that I'm really go too deep in. But sexual aggressiveness, what I what I believe that is just what I wrote this when I wrote this down. What I meant by sexual aggressiveness is just people who men who are like very promiscuous and going after every girl, um, but also not knowing that they are tiptoeing that line of being a, a perpetrator of sexual assault, like not understanding that women have boundaries, not understanding that people have boundaries and not everybody who may flirt with you, not everybody who may talk to you are into you. I'm not going to go too deep into that bullet point because I feel like if I go too deep in that, that's like a episode that could be an hour long we talk about sexual assault sexual assault prevention and then different things like that um but men move weird out here and so what i mean by that is we have to show these young boys that just learn how to take no for an answer like just because a woman is attractive to you and she may be attracted to you as well that doesn't mean that that gives you the right to act sexually aggressive or to help yourself to someone if that makes sense to you all, uh, we have to teach them that because we're in a generation now, especially with my generation and, and probably the generation after me, that men think that is like they don't know how to they they think that certain things are signs and they are open. Um, they're like open doors. What are the words? I'm not looking for open doors. Is another phrase that I'm looking for. Um, these are these are. Um, I don't know why I can't think of the phrase I'm looking for, but a lot of times men think that certain things are like these welcome parties into women, into a woman body, so where they can help themselves to the women and do whatever they want to women, touch women, um, subject them to certain confined places and, and try to get them to do things, shame them for not doing things and whatever the case may be. This is going on at an alarming rate. Um, and so we have to teach them to to for one to not do these things to not operate in that behavior but also speak up and 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 step up in a place of these young women and not even just one young woman women in, in general when you see something like that going on um being that protector not saying that women need it and women need us to, to do that but we should be more aware of that um another thing anti-feminist behavior probably the biggest trait of of of, of toxic masculinity to me i've spoken extensively in here about how I feel about how men treat women's sports. I'm an advocate for women's NCAA uh, college basketball. I watch 
not even just watch. I exclusively watch women's tennis. Um, I think women's tennis is better than men's tennis, and that is biased because the greatest athlete <laughs> to play women's tennis is from my hometown. And so I mainly watch her, but also others like Coco Golf and Naomi Osaka and other um, athletes on Stephens and so many other more. But I've spoken extensively about the fact that there's a disparity in terms of viewership and the conversations that goes around with women's basketball and men's basketball, whether that's college, whether that's high school, whether that's uh, professional. We see it a lot, and there has come a time, or we are in a time in the digital age and social media age, that men, for some reason, use their platforms to openly speak about the disparities, speak about or highlight certain things that they don't like about the women game. Not even, you know, give it a chance, not even watching it, but they may see a clip on Instagram, may see a clip on Twitter, and want to reblog them or repost them with certain disparaging comments or certain disparaging remarks towards women in the women game. I'm telling you all, I'm not saying this because it sounds good. I'm not saying this. I'm trying to get brownie points. There's no difference in the games. Yes, they're missing. We're missing these highlight dunks. Yes. We're missing seven foot men opposed to sometimes the tallest woman, maybe six, 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 seven. Yes, we're missing that. Yes, the game may be a little faster. But if you truly like basketball, and I stress this point many times before as well, if you truly like basketball, there is no difference between the games. There is really no difference between the games. It's basketball. And if you like the art of basketball, women offer the same thing. And that in itself has been one of the biggest, I think, nuances, not even the nuances, has been one of the biggest pain in the butts as far as like this anti-feminist behavior is that men who aren't even interested in these sports, don't watch these sports, go out of their way to talk down upon them. But they wouldn't do the same for the men's, for the for the male equivalent. And the main reason for that is because if you see one of these women athletes in person, you don't have to really answer to the things you are saying online. When it comes to the male sports, you have the answer to that. The average person online, you know, talking bad about LeBron James, maybe 5'10", maybe 5'9". And you get in public and maybe LeBron want to call you out for a tweet that you saw. Now you're looking up the 6'8", 250-pound man. You're probably going to shrivel. And so that is a part of, of toxic masculinity. Thinking that you can operate however you want to operate because a, a woman is not going to act overly aggressive because you're not going to have to answer to a woman because you know that there's not going to be any, any confrontation between you and a woman. And if it, even if there is a confrontation because you're such a coward, you are open to that confrontation with a woman opposed to having to answer to a man. We see that a lot, especially online. I don't I'm not sure exactly why, but it happens, um, especially in Twitter. Like you don't have to go too far in Twitter to see anti-feminist behavior twitter is, is like the place for anti-feminist uh, behavior because that is a place to where these people share these ideas and i don't mean feminist because i don't i'm be honest with y'all i think the the group are i'm trying my best to to word my i'm not trying my best to phrase these words or word this phrase because i don't want to seem I don't want to be saying something about the feminist movement or feminism that I don't like shared about Black Lives Matter. And what I mean by that is I've told you all that the one thing I hate in regards to how people speak about Black Lives Matter 
is they don't separate the phrase from the actual group. And there is a difference in between the phrase and the actual group because people don't separate those things. When someone does something in the name of Black Lives Matter, it ties back to the group, the group that's out here doing this community's work, the group that's out here doing their best to to improve these communities, to improve police and to, to improve so many different things for our people. Um, I can come out and go do something in the name of Black Lives Matter, but I'm not a part of Black Lives Matter. But because of such a erroneous act, because it's covered in the media, they're going to tie it to Black Lives Matter because I said the phrase Black Lives Matter or I wore a, a, a shirt, Black Lives Matter. And so I think it's the same thing with feminism. I'm wholeheartedly behind feminism. The actual group, the feminist group, I'm not behind um, just because the feminist group is so pro-white and I don't stand behind pro-white ideas. I think feminists, white feminists, black feminists are two different things. I think they're fighting for two different things. Um, I don't think there's equality in between the group of women. And so it's kind of hard for me to stand behind the group in itself. And if I'm wrong, call me out on it. Um, leave a comment. If, if, if you listen on SoundCloud, DM me on Instagram. I'm open to these conversations. But I believe that there are two different, when we speak about the groups, when we speak about feminists, I think there are two different groups when we, when we speak about white women feminists and, and black women feminists. And so I try my best to divert from support of the groups because I understand that there's a divide, but I am wholeheartedly behind the idea of feminism. I'm behind the idea of equality by, by any means. Not to get off topic, but I had to give you all just a reason for why I was trying to um, phrase that word the way I was trying to phrase it. But this is a part of toxic masculinity is those men. And it's not just Twitter, it's other places as well. But men feel threatened in their identity. They think that women gaining independence. They think that women speaking up for themselves. They think that women doing anything other than adhering to these patriarchal values that have been set up in this country are a threat to who they are as as men and so we have to teach our young that that's not the case like you can also coexist with a woman who is independent a woman can be as independent as you a woman can be more successful than you the woman could be the breadwinner of the house and you're not losing your identity as a male if you identify as a male if that makes sense we have to teach these young men that because we are moving in a time to where the generation that are young men right now, when they grow up, there's going to be a whole bunch of women CEOs. There's going to be a whole bunch of women who are heads of Fortune 500 companies. There's going to be a whole bunch of independent women because we are in a space where these opportunities are being created more to where they can go through these lanes and be successful in that. And so we have to teach them that, that this is normal. This is not the 1950s to where women have to be subjected to certain roles and be subjected to men and these patriarchal values like this is not that this is 2022 and women are as powerful as men they always have been but it should be recognized now that they are as powerful as men the last thing i had on my list and that was all about feminists that was all not feminists that was all about this addressing toxic masculinity i think if we address those things that i just listed out we create a better future for these young these young men the last thing i had on my list is mentorship we have to we have to devote ourselves to mentorship whether that's internally whether that's in your family uh, a relative a sibling uh, wherever the case may be if you see someone in these certain positions that i've spoken about to where they don't have that guidance they don't have a, a a male figure in their life step up and be that male figure find out what their interests are find out what their favorite subjects are in school find out what their hobbies are find out 
what they may want to do but feel like they can't do it because they don't have anyone to teach them how to do it. Find out these things. Have these conversations so that you can lead them down the right path or find the resources to provide them to get to the right path so that they can explore these options. Because at the end of the day, they're kids. They're teenagers. They don't exactly know majority of the time what they want to do for the rest of their life, but they have an idea. And that idea lives in their head if there's no action behind it. There's no one to support the idea. There's no one to help them get that out of your head. Um, outside of internal mentorship, we should also devote ourselves to external relationship. I mean, external mentorship. Look for these programs. Look for um, these communities where the mentorship is needed and, and provide that mentorship for these young men that needs that. It don't have to just be someone in your family. It can be either or, or you can be doing both. But we should devote ourselves to doing that. As Whitney Houston said, the children are our future. And if we truly believe that, we have to be the ones to address that and correct that. These kids aren't, they shouldn't be out here figuring it out themselves. Again, there's going to be a lot that are going to figure out themselves, but they shouldn't be subjected to that reality that no one's ever going to help them and they have to figure out this thing of life on their own. Ooh, that's the Speak on Peace podcast for this week, y'all. My what to watch for this week, we are going to go with 61st Street on AMC.